So um, as you may see, uh, Pastor Bran and Joel Pollard are back from Uganda in Jordan. And it felt like you guys were gone a while. We missed you. We felt your absence, but we also felt like we got to go with you in a way. And we were praying for you, and we're excited to hear stories. So um, Pastor Brent's going to come up first to share. Welcome, Brent. Thanks. Yeah, it really is good to be back. Uh, it was so good to be there again, but it, 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 there's no place like home. I have to, oh, sorry. Um, no place like home. Uh, you know what's funny though? Uh, I talked to Pastor Fred, who's from Uganda, the pastor that I, we go and meet with, and, uh, and he says the same thing. He loves being here in America, but he can't wait to get back to his home, Uganda. So, you know, we, home is just, good place to be, right? When we know where home is. Um, I wanted to, first of all, thank you. Uh, thank you for your support financially. Many of you made, made it possible, not just for us to go, which was, um, which was wonderful, but to pay for the conference or several of the conferences that we did, but especially the pastor's conference at the end. And also, um, what you don't know, some of you, um, for example, Maybe you gave $20 or $30 and you're thinking, well, it's not much, but it's all I can do. Can I tell you something? So some of, one of the things that we do when we're there is we listen to the Holy Spirit and there's certain ones that he has us give a gift to because we can, because you've given us money to be able to, to bless. And, and for some of those people, um, We've given them $20, which is a lot of money in when you transferred over to Uganda money and their life. And all I'm trying to say is you have no idea. Some of you that just sewed in $20, you have no idea who, you know, the degree to which you blessed somebody. So um, you don't often hear those stories. I, I, I just wanted to tell you that. And, um, and thank you for praying. Um, we... You know, we had a group of intercessors that are our elders and intercessors group that got letters all the time. But I've also had several of you just come up and already and tell me I was praying for you a bunch. The Lord just kept putting you on my heart. Thank you. Um, it, it's there. There's um, we're going in and seeing a huge difference. We're bringing light and hope into a place that is is not it does not make the enemy very happy. And, um, again, it's not something we focus, we don't focus on the enemy a lot. We focus on what Jesus is doing, but we are in a spiritual battle. So, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for praying. And I wanted to read this from first Thessalonians, Paul, you know, Paul started a bunch of churches in his, in his missionary journeys. And he had such a father's heart for the places that he went and kept going back to. And this is what he wrote in first Thessalonians. And I just want to speak it over you. Because this is my appreciation, my gratitude back to you, starting in verse 2. Um, we always thank God for you all, mentioning you in our prayers continually. We remember before God our, and our, our God and Father how active is the faith, your faith, how unsparing the love, how persevering the hope which you have from our Lord Jesus Christ. So I am super grateful to you for the, the faith, the love, the hope. 
And it says, we know, brothers and sisters who are loved by God, that you have been chosen. How do we know that? Because the gospel came to you not only in words, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with great effect. And you observed the sort of life we lived when we were with you, which was for your sake. You took us and the Lord as your model, welcoming the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit in spite of great hardship. So I just want to thank you. I I said just a few moments ago that I love us. I really do. Um, it, I love I love this family. I love that that there's so much uh, of the Father's love here. There's so much grace. There's so much um, hope in this place. And I think that we don't really know what we carry. But when I go around the world, when I go to other places. I am made very aware of what we carry, that what we have is extra special. It's not that it's not that we got something that nobody else has. All we have, it says right here, came from Jesus, right? That means we can't boast. It's not like, wow, look how great we are. On the other hand, it's true because of Jesus, look how great we are, um, that we do have something of value to give people. And this is not just me and Joel halfway around the world. This is each and every one of you. In wherever your work is, wherever your school is, wherever at home, your next door neighbor, um, that that we're going to tell you a few stories uh, of what transpired in Jordan and in Uganda. But I want to tell it in such a way that you, where you are an active participant in it. You're not just sitting here listening to a story of what we did halfway around the world. You're going to hear about stories of what we all carry and the difference it makes if we will step out in boldness and use it. You know, step, actually believe what you have. Believe what you carry. And and again, sometimes I think we make it way too complicated. Lord, am I doing this right? And his answer is, be like a child. Just be like a little child. My daddy says it. I have Jesus. I can go do it. All right? So thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, for your part in all this. Yeah, thank you. Um. <laughs> okay. <Good>. So, <laughs> Jordan, we're going to start with Jordan because that's where we started. Um, that's where we started on our trip. We went to Jordan first. We actually went through Dubai, never been there before, and we went over to Jordan. Uh, remember, we went there because we have a pastor friend, um, Nabil, and Nabil and Nadi were with us about a half a year ago, and um, they have an American Academy, and many of you have sewn into that. Some of you um, have even thought about going to teach. Nori did go to teach. Nori Stitt, for those of you who remember Nori. She was there teaching. So we got to see their school in operation. Amazing. I Honestly, amazing. I can now see why that school is actually one of the highest rated schools in all of Jordan. And, um, and again, this is their way of reaching Muslim people. Jordan is 99% Muslim. It's not, Christians are not persecuted in Jordan for their faith, but they can't proselytize either. Um, that's not allowed. So you have to come up with creative ways to love people and to meet needs and to develop relationship, long-term evangelism. And uh, so we went there, 
And I want to share one story with you. I'm going to share one story from each location with you, Jordan and Uganda. So in Jordan, uh, we wanted to, one of the things that we wanted to check out was um, we knew that they had, there was Syrian refugee camps that are located in Jordan. We thought, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to go there and if we brought teams back to go, to go and to minister to, to the Syrian refugees? Um, because we were told there's, a, there's more freedom there. There's more freedom as in um, ability to reach out and minister, not, not quite so much under the radar, if you will. Um, and so, uh, so one day, Nabil took us out there, along with the person, um, Salah is his name, the one that actually um, translated my book, which is now completely done in Arabic. So we went out, we were going to go to a Syrian refugee camp, but we found out that that was actually wasn't the best plan. Uh, I won't get into it right now, but, but that it would be better if we went to a nearby city that was mostly Syrian refugees living there. So not necessarily in a camp, but it was a city where about 60, there was about 60% Syrian refugees. So we just go, all we did, we were just going there to, to scope it out. Lord, what does it look like? Uh, what could we do in this place? And we were driving through the streets, and Nabil was telling us about, you know, some of the history of how, why these people found themselves there. And um, we jumped out of the car because Joel had brought a camera. We took a lot of really good video, and he was doing a lot of interviewing of Nabil. We found a spot that looked good, and we jumped out, and, uh, and uh, Joel was, get, was starting to interview Nabil about this city. And uh, right then, as we were doing that, uh, a boy rode up on a bicycle. He was very curious about what we were doing. He was probably about, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, something like that. And uh, very curious what we were doing. And so um, Nabil let him know we were interviewing, and he said, Would you, can I interview you? And the, little, and the boy said, sure. So, um, of course, all this is going on in Arabic. And, um, and, I, and I, before uh, they started the camera going, I said to Nabil, now if, I said, if we get the chance, ask him if he has anybody in their house that needs prayer and see if we can go to his house. And um, the reason why I say this is Nabil has told us that actually um, Muslim people are very open to prayer. I don't know if you know that, but uh, sometimes we think, well, you know, we can't really ask Muslims to pray because we might offend them. No, actually, Jesus is mentioned in the Quran something like 30 or 40 times. They very much, they, they very much believe that Jesus was a great prophet. There's just some things about him that they don't agree with, with us, but they, but they like Jesus. They actually like him. And, um, and so as he was interviewing, this is all on film. We're not going to show this part, but as he was interviewing, this boy started to say that his father was, was sick and not doing well. And so Nabil asked him in, in Arabic, uh, can we go to your house? We, I think we can help. And, um, and the boy said, sure. Would you lead us there on your bike? Sure. So we're riding through the streets. This is just wild. This is the book of Acts. We're, we're in a car now following a boy who's going to take us into his home. These are all Muslim homes. You have to understand that. 99% Muslim, including the Syrian people. And so we're, we're actually being led by, by a little child into a Syrian home to pray in the name of Jesus for someone to be, to be made well. So as we follow him, takes us down this this uh, alleyway, we don't even get to his house because another man greets us 
first and meets Nabil. And Nabil said, yeah, we're here just interviewing Syrian people, hearing about your story. And he says, please, you know, interview me. Would you come into my home? So, so we go into their home. I'm going to show you this picture now. This is, uh, I actually don't know his name. Do you know this? No, we, I don't know his name. Um, but this is, Nabil is the one that's to the right, that's closest to us. That's the pastor that you all, many of you met because he was standing right here. Um, and so this man in the white, he's the one that said, please come into my home. Turns out he's the grandfather of, the, of this home. It's like an apartment and uh, this is the entryway. And he has us all sitting. And um, so there they are talking. They're doing the interview. And if you look the other direction, there's Joel taking the movie of those two. But what, but what I wanted you to see, that's Salah behind Joel. That's the one that translated my book into Arabic. But what I want you to see is, so the woman that's sitting, that's kind of in that leopard print, she's, uh, she's her, his wife. The, so she's the grandmother of this clan. But the woman behind her in the doorway, that's one of the moms. There's, there's several mothers that were um, in the doorways. I'm going to show you a video in just a minute. And you're going to see in that video, there's, there's always these, these moms, you know, maybe in their 30s, that are, that are in the doorways peeking out. They're so intrigued with what's going on, you know, but they have their burkas over them the whole time. And um, as Nabil, let me go back just for a minute. As Nabil was... Um, Wrong way. Let me go back. As he was interviewing here, he actually was interviewing the man. So he heard this, you know, this story about how they got there as as refugees. And uh, but then as as the talk went on, he starts changing changing the subject, and he says, "Do you have anybody here who needs who needs healing?" And he he motions over to me and says, um, "This man over here has a real gift to heal." And I thought, well, that's an, I didn't know he was going to do that. I'm like, well, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, you have to understand, Nabil prays for people and sees them healed all the time. It's not, he knows that he can heal. He just, it was just what he did to, you know, to usher something in. He says, oh, well, this man has a gift of healing. And, uh, uh, would you, would you want him to pray for anyone here? And he says, but, but he prays in the, he prays in the name of Jesus. Is that okay with you? And, and the man says, oh yes, we, we believe in Jesus. He's in the Quran, the, the, you know. So, um, so they, in other words, he wasn't hiding that. He was totally cool with that. Um, and so there we are. But that woman in the back, see, we were going to pray for that little boy. I wish I had a little pointer, but the one with the hands in his mouth, because he had some real hip problems and real pain. But the woman there in the doorway, she actually came out and says, pray for me first. Um, she had a skin disease and she wanted healing. And so, but, but you ready for this? She steps out and she says uh, to me, once he says, this guy has a, a gift of healing. She says, I've seen you on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> it is entirely possible. I am on Facebook. Later on, when we were talking about it, we were, we were thinking, you know, it's quite likely it wasn't me that she saw, but it really doesn't matter because I gained instant credibility, instant, you know, she had instant faith. It might have been me. I don't know. Doesn't even matter. So she comes up for prayer and we got the grandfather's permission to pray over her. 
So we're going to start, watch this video. I was praying pretty quietly, um, partly because we're in this home. It's I've never prayed in the Middle East in a Muslim's home before, you know? So I wasn't like, I wasn't going crazy. I was just praying really gently. And uh, so I'm going to show it to you, but you're not going to hear a lot. You might need to crank up the sound a little bit, um, but I'll probably narrate also. So we aren't actually touching her because I, w- I didn't. I know that I didn't want to do something that wasn't appropriate. We are actually, you know, I was sitting there saying, "Lord, pinch me." And the grandfather now says, "It's okay. You can lay your hand on her." So we got his permission. See the ladies in the back also peeking out. Heaviness start to come to my feet. She's saying there's heaviness that's moving to her feet. There was a heaviness on her, not a good heaviness, like a, something not good going on in her body. So we were blessing what the Lord was doing. And he's asking again, what's going on? Yeah, something went out from her Something feet. just went out from her feet. I'm going to stop it there. Something went out from her feet. So now let me go back and just give you, tell you a little bit more. So as we were praying, I, we were saying, what are you feeling? She said, I'm feeling pressure. And we said, is that good or good or bad thing? She said, no, no, it's not good. And uh, she said, um, that's when she explained to us that some friends had used black magic on her to try to heal her. Now, can I tell you something? Um, the reason why I'm even giving you this information is that people are searching everywhere. They are seeking, they are wanting healing. And if they aren't, if they don't know Jesus, if they don't have somebody who represents Jesus, who comes to them, they're going to look for it somewhere. I need relief. I'll, whatever it takes, I'll do it. So she got well-meaning friends that use black magic on her to try to set her free. So now we're praying for her. She says, oh, there's this pressure. And she said, it's not good. So we kept praying, and this pressure then came from here down to her feet, and then she said she felt it leave her feet And uh, as as we were praying. Then that that grandmother that I showed you that had that leopard print, afterwards she said, would you pray for me? I have diabetes. She brought springs out her medicines, showing us what she's taking, that it's not working. And so we began to pray for her, and I, I felt the Spirit powerfully moving. And she got up, and all of a sudden she says, wow, I've never felt anything like this before. She's <laughs> clearly feeling the Spirit moving powerfully. And um, we were there probably a half an hour. The the, the, the grandfather, he, he got us coffee. You know, come have coffee. I'm so thrilled you're here. Let me tell you, that coffee is strong. It's about this big. And it's probably about four shots within that much coffee. Woo! So, um, but, <laughs> but we were honoring guests. We had the coffee and then, uh, they, when we left, they were, they were just thrilled. Thank you so much for coming in our home. We went downstairs and there was the boy still waiting. He took us across into their house. We had another half an hour in there. 
um, talked to the mom who shared the whole story with us. We, there several children needed healing. And when I prayed for the, the, the little boy, his second or third child that I prayed for, she had said he had some crazy elect, electric buzz thing not good going on with his brain every once in a while that would just do bad things to him. She said, I don't know if it's physical or if it's demonic. She's telling us that, you know, in, in Arabic. Again, Muslim people. And, um, well, sons and daughters of the king. But anyway, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Um, that... Um, so, but as I prayed for this little boy, oh my goodness, I felt the power of God moving. And, and he suddenly, as soon as I, I barely was touching his head and he's just, the weight came. He's just, next thing he's just kind of, you know, down on the floor as we're just breaking any curse that's over him and setting him free. So I, we left, as we left that house, we had, I don't know how many, we, a bunch of kids and adults all started gathering they were all saying, I'm Syrian, come to my house next. I'm Syrian, come to my house. <laughs> I'm telling you, we, we didn't go to any other houses because we didn't have the time, you know, we had to move on. But right there, I thought, oh my goodness, Jesus, we could have done this all day long. Come to my house, come to my house, come to my house. I felt like, you know, Jesus saying to Zacchaeus, hey, come on down from that tree. I'm going to your house today. Do you know what we carry? Do you know what you carry? See, we're so apologetic and we don't want to offend and we don't realize people are so hungry. Yeah, they don't want you, maybe they don't want you to preach at them. I get that. But they want help. They want healing. They want something that's real. And it's, it's, if you admit on our end, it's a little scary sometimes, right? You know, to step out and to pray or to offer to pray. But I'm telling you, that's when we're going to start seeing things happen. And I don't know, to be honest with you, were, were they healed or not? I don't know. I know they were deeply touched by the Spirit. I believe they are healed. Let me just say that. But it's not like I saw it in that instant. And yet they felt loved and they felt, they felt something entered their home. They, light and love entered their home. So I want to encourage you, step out, step out. You don't have to have the answers, all the answers. You don't have to be perfect, you know, pray the perfect prayer. It's just about you loving people enough where you'll step out and, and care. So, um, yeah, I don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to use that, uh, for you, but, but, but here's what I want to say is be ready. Um, one second. Be ready. Uh, when I, I preached in, when I got to Uganda, I preached on a Sunday morning at a very uh, large church and they had three services. I actually got there at seven in the morning and got, you know, left at 2 p.m. So about seven hours or something, three big services, but I was teaching about healing and about healing hands. And so right now I would like you to look at your hands, pull your hands out and take a look at them. Just, yeah, take a good look at these hands. Because as you look at these hands, I want you to say, these hands carry the glory of God. And as you look at these hands, I want you to say, these are the hands of Jesus. <laughs> are you feeling it yet? <laughs> I am, actually. And so uh, here's one more thing I want you to do is look at these hands and say, Jesus, how would you like me to use these hands for you? Because he's going to send some people your way. 
He's going to do it. He might do it tonight when you leave the service. You might go to Safeway or wherever, you know, uh, restaurant tonight. And all of a sudden there's an opportunity in front of you that if you hadn't been intentional, you would have passed it right by and didn't even know it was an invitation from the Lord. But he's looking for people like a little child who's just going to step out and believe what you just said about your own hands. Ephesians chapter 1 says that you carry within you the same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Those are not just words. That's truth. You carry that. That's, I don't carry any more of it than you do. It's true. So our, our authority comes not because we are given more and more and more of the Spirit. It's because we are more and more aware of what He's already given us. That's what gives us the authority. So, Lord, give us awareness of what we carry. <laughs> All right, one more story. And I'm going to turn it over to Joel. How are we doing? I think we're good on time, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. We're trying to actually give ourselves time at the end because we're going to, some crazy good things are going to happen tonight. Just so you know, we don't want to just tell stories. I, I'm going to let you in on a secret because it's not really a secret, but, but when we meet here, we actually want encounters with God. We, that's what we want because information doesn't change us. Information is good, but it doesn't change us. What it changes us is real encounters with the real God. So we want to make sure we leave some time for that tonight. Um, next, I'm moving over to Uganda. So then we went through Dubai and over to Uganda. We saw Trevor and Jana. Good to see you. You guys again, mom and dad. Um, Trevor's mom and dad are back there. And uh, loved it, loved spending the time with them. Had an amazing conference there. But I'm actually going to fast forward to the end of our two weeks there. The very last conference, um, the last time I spoke at the pastor's conference. I want to share that with you. But before I do, I want to give it this context. When I arrived two years ago only, I've been to Uganda three times. I've gone every August, right? Um, but it's only been actually two years since that first trip. And uh, when I went there, I, I, this is what I was very aware of. Even though... There is uh, plenty of legalism in America. Uh, I'll define that in a minute. It's far more prevalent in Uganda. Um, what I mean by legalism is is that attempt to uh, put on a good, you know, religious face, do all the right things, so that hopefully you're good enough to please God, and that that whole that whole system that actually ends up killing you. Because it is, there's no freedom in it. It's all about performance. And, and here's the problem with it that I saw. I, of course, it's here in America, but I saw it very, even more so in Uganda, which is when, when, when it's prevalent and everybody's playing that game, that one that you can't win, is that, is that there's no, here we talk a lot about transparency and being real. You can't do that there because, because that means you're, you're uh, having problems, and if you're having problems, that means you're not measuring up and you're not living all the rules right. So therefore, I'm going to put on a better face, and I'm going to pretend that everything's okay, but inside, I'm dying because I can't be real, and I hate myself, and there's condemnation. Do you see how this works? That's the religious game. It's horrible. It's horrible. So when I got there three years ago, 
um, I, I was, I, I saw all this and I had conversations with Pastor Fred, so I knew it, it was very prevalent. And the first year he actually asked me to talk with his team of about 12 of his closest, you know, inner circle that he works with. And I spent a couple hours talking with them about grace. And honestly, that was a tough couple hours. I felt like I was chipping away at rocks, you know, and trying to no, really, it's better than you think. There's freedom. There's, you know, God's in a good mood. He loves you. There's forgiveness. There's mercy. And uh, certain things I would say, I would still see the looks on their face like, who are you and what heresy are you bringing to us? This isn't the, this isn't the gospel we know. And, um, and so fast forward, though, two years later, and I've... Um, I, I had a breakout session on grace. And I'm telling you, that there was so much openness. There was probably about 50 people the first day, maybe about 40 the second. And many of them came back the second day. They're like, we want it again. We don't care if you're going to tell us the same stuff. We want to hear it. Tell me again, because this is doing something to me. It's washing over me. And I, I remember seeing one guy in particular who was so full of life and love. And I said, wow, uh, you... Um, there's, you're getting this. He was taking it in. I talked to him afterwards and I said, you know, wow, it seems like you're really loving this grace message. You're getting it. He says, he said, Pastor Brent, you have no idea. A, a year ago, I received your book. Um, Daddy, you love me. That was, that was written in Luganda. And he says, um, he says, I was one of those you did not want to be around. I was so judgmental. I was so hateful. I was so angry. I mean, he's in the church. It's not like he's he was a pastor, a leader, but he was just angrier. And uh, he says, your, your book totally transformed my life. Um, so, the, let me just tell you this. The gospel of grace, it preaches well. It, it's changing the world. And, and the openness I saw just two years later was, was entirely different. I, I, I thought two years ago, I thought, wow, this is going to be a tough nut to crack. Like, you know, do we got to show up 10 years, 20 years? When is this going to start to wear down? Two years later, dramatic changes, dramatic changes. And so the very last night, I, I was supposed to, I was supposed to talk on, on a certain topic. And I said, Pastor Fred, would you just give me freedom to kind of go a different direction with the Holy Spirit? He says, sure. And so I, I spoke that night. What I spoke to them, I want to speak to you just in a very brief form. And then I'm going to tell you what happened. And that is, um, I talked to them about this charcoal fire. And uh, this is the fire that's uh, mentioned in John chapter 18. Okay, not the actual fire, but one like it. John chapter 18, where uh, Peter, it says, uh, was around a charcoal fire when three times he denied Jesus and said, I don't know the man. And, and here's the thing. Peter had been his close friend for three years, a close friend, inner circle, top three friends. It isn't like he was an acquaintance. And Peter was the one that came up with the awareness, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, you got it, you nailed it, and you couldn't have got that on your own, that was, that was God. 
So this Peter, the one that said, Lord, I will never, I will never forsake you. I'll die for you. He's the one that three times said, I don't know the man. And then he, then he, you know, lived a, a living hell for the next three days because, because Jesus was crucified. He didn't know, he didn't know Jesus was coming back, was going to be raised, even though Jesus had told him such things. But Peter was feeling like a failure. And here's the thing. Every single person in this room, myself included, there are reasons why, if you listen to the lies, there are reasons why you believe that you are disqualified. That you've disappointed the Lord. That maybe He'll use somebody else, but He can't use me because I've screwed up pretty badly. I've messed up. And see, the enemy's game is to try to take us out but I want to tell you something that, that when Jesus said to you, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, that's exactly what he meant. There is nothing you can do that's going to change his affection for you, his love for you, but also his commitment to you. Right? In, in, in uh, Philippians 1 6, what I have started in you, I will bring to a completion. And it's the times when we feel disqualified, that's when we need Him the most. And this is when Jesus came to Peter a second time now after, his, after He was raised from the dead. He comes, he comes to the disciples again. Here's beautiful Jesus sitting on the shore, raised from the dead. He's like, Peter, got a charcoal fire for you to come back to. Because I want you to come back to that place where you felt like a dismal failure and this is the place I'm going to restore you. And it was Peter. Peter was the one when he was the first one that knew it was Jesus. He jumps out of the boat. Why does he jump out of the boat? He swims to the shore. He's not going to wait for his friends. You guys pull in the fish and row it ashore. I don't. I could care less. i got to go be with Jesus. He comes to the shore and there's Jesus waiting for him. Never brings up I don't know if you think about the things that you don't read in this story. Sometimes we don't think about the things that are not in the story. Jesus never brings up his... He didn't say, Peter, what were you thinking? How could you deny me after all I've done for you? Not in there. What he does, he cooks him some fish. Let me take care of your needs, Peter. And then three times he asks him, do you love me? Do you think Jesus knew the answer? Of course he did. Peter, I know that you love me. I just saw it. You jumped out of the boat. You couldn't wait to get here because you love me. Peter, you know me and you love me. But I need you to hear yourself say it because you have disqualified yourself. But I want you to hear three times that you love me. I, I just want you. Could you guys just say, I love you, Jesus? Yeah, hear yourself say it. I love you, Jesus. See, the enemy wants to tell you at times that you don't really love him. What a crock. Of course you love him. He's done everything for you, and he knows you love him. But there are times the enemy tries to take you out, and Jesus says, why don't you tell me again that you love me? Not because he's testing you, not because he doesn't believe you love him. He says, I need you to hear the truth of your own words. And here's the next thing. I need you to get back in the game. Because we got a world to go love. 
He says, I've pre-qualified you. On the cross, I pre-qualified you. You can't be disqualified. It's not an option. So I, back in Uganda now, this was what I, I, I preached for, you know, this message for about 45 minutes. You guys got the short version. And uh, at the end, I called him up and I said, I said, you know, if you're feeling disqualified, if you're feeling like you have been a great failure and that the Lord is disappointed in you, I want you to come forward. And I had this up on the screen. I said, let's come up forward. Let's, let's kneel with Jesus at the charcoal fire. Now, I got to tell you, remember I just told you about the, the legalistic system that you got to have a good face and you can't admit things like this, right? I want to tell you, you know, you know what happened? I'm like, is anybody going to come forward? I don't know. I see one person move in the back. I said, awesome, come on up. I mean, the next thing I know, within three seconds, 80% of the people are up and coming forward and kneeling because they needed to know that they were forgiven. 80% of the pastors and leaders. It's hard to explain to you just what a huge thing this was. This was the second, the first time I said, Lord, pinch me. Is this really happening? It was with the woman, the first woman I showed you. We're in a Syrian refugee Muslim home praying for healing in the name of Jesus. And the second one was this one, that two years ago, this group that, that, that didn't know much yet about grace was streaming forward saying, I need grace. I need grace. And so I prayed over them, and I had them say three times, I love you, Jesus. And uh, we prayed some other things. And then I said to them, each, each one of you, I, this was just a Holy Spirit moment, because I, I was not expecting this, really. And, um, and I said, this is way too important. We're not just going to rush on. I actually had more, I would preach more after that. And I said, but we need to touch you. You need, something needs to happen here, Holy Spirit. So I said to each one of them, I'm going to lay my hand on you. I'm going to look right into your eyes. When I, when I lay my hand on you, I want you to look up at me. Look me right in the eyes. And I'm going to, and I'm going to tell you, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're free. I'm telling each one of you, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. Do you know this? Jesus paid for you. You are forgiven. You are free. You're free to walk again, to run again, to fly again with Jesus. You are not disqualified. You are forgiven. See, this is the ministry of reconciliation. That this is our job description. This isn't just my job. I don't just get to tell you you're forgiven because I'm an ordained pastor. I get to tell you you're forgiven because I know Jesus and he lives in me. And so, and he's told me that what he, when he came to represent the father and he said over and over again to people, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Remember, he said these things and they didn't even ask for forgiveness. He was representing the Father's heart. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. See, if we don't believe that, we are, we are locked into shame. We're locked into condemnation. And we're not our real selves. 
So I'm telling you, you are forgiven and you get to be ministers of reconciliation. So as I said before, when we share these stories, this isn't just us a half a world away. We get to do this because we're in Africa or Jordan. No, we all get to do this because Christ lives in us and we have the good news. We are the living good news. And we given, are given his permission to be ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors of love. So before I turn it over to Joel, would you all stand? Partly just to, you know, there you go. Get the blood flowing. All right. But also because I wanted you to look at me. And I want you to agree with me. We're going we're gonna to say these two things. First. I am a minister of reconciliation. reconciliation. (laughs) What is reconciliation? That means you're taking God's hand and somebody else's hand and bringing them together. You're saying you have a father who loves you. I am a minister of reconciliation. Say it again. That's right. That's what the Lord says your job description is. And I am an ambassador of love. In my work, in my home, in my neighborhood, in my school, I am an ambassador of love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. Joel, come on up. What a good-looking crowd. I think the last time I saw you was on Skype. That was a lot of fun. I'm actually glad that it worked. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So much to be said, but um, there's a couple of highlights that I want to talk about. Um, First of all, before I get to that, I want to say what the how much of a privilege it was to be with Pastor Brent, to be under that mantle, to 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 uh, walk with him, to do not just ministry together, but um, go deeper. That that was a chance of a lifetime. So I honor you, Brent, um, for that. Um, when I left here, I was declaring something to this house. And to the nations of the world, yeah, that's a that's a nice looking thing, and um, uh, that's that was for free. That's this anyway. Uh, Romans eight nineteen. It's it's been one of these verses that has been uh, pulling at my heart for a very long, long time. The earth is groaning. Everybody say the earth is groaning. The earth is crying out. Okay. And it's crying out for something specific. It's crying out, it's groaning for the manifestations of someone. And that someone is you, and that someone is me. It, 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 it's, it's crying out for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. And when we go to these nations, you know, my heartstrings are plucked 
time and time again, and we see the sons and the daughters, we see the epiphany and the aha moments of them starting to comprehend and get, I'm a son of the king. I, I, I'm a daughter. I'm royal. I'm loved by the papa. And, and so when you start to see that, we can talk about it all we want, but when you, when you start to see people encounter the reality of who Jesus said they are all along, then you can't put that into words. You know you're doing something right, okay? And uh, Revelation 22 and 19 declares, thank you, Jesus, I do not have a translator by me. Anyway, <laughs> I can speak freely. No delay. We're in real time. Everybody say we're in real time. Yes, we are. This is good. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I love that verse. But when you begin to see that verse in full manifestation, because there's the promise, there's the testimony of Jesus, and what does that? what is that? It is, it is the literal spirit of the prophetic. And eh, let's go to the next one. Very nice. This was in a place where I found out the day of that they're like, oh, they want you to go speak like a couple hours. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, well, oh, sure, we'll go do that. And uh, this was a church not too far from the Taishans where we were at. And um, one of the pastors had been to the pastor's conference that we did at the Taishans ministry. And he was so deeply impacted that uh, he invited me, since Brent was with Pastor Dale in Saturday, to, to go and to speak a little bit. So we, I went and did that. Um, but one thing the Holy Spirit really messed with me on this trip was um, encountering him at a whole new level. Um, I think a lot of us have grown up or we've heard about the Holy Spirit and we hear certain perspectives about it or certain theology about it. But what you can't really put into words is when you are encountering the person of. Everybody say the person of. The person of the Holy Spirit because he is a person and he's not an it. And so I begin to realize that the manifestation and the reality of who the Holy Spirit is was really beginning to take front stage uh, on this trip. So here, after I was connecting with their heart, I said, the Holy Spirit really wants to make himself real to you. And he wants to go to those places in you that he's been longing to go to. But he is a gentleman, and he will not force himself on you. So you have to give him permission to those areas. And so I begin to not necessarily sozo them, but I begin to uh, ask them, do you want that? And there was an overwhelming response of the heart, yes, we want that. So this is a picture of them giving permission and access into those areas and confines in their heart to let the Holy Spirit go and deal with the things he wants to deal with. Okay, so I, I want to just sort of park it there and declare he, he wants to keep doing the same in me and he wants to do the same in you. And even though it looks 101 different ways, because we're all on the journey at some point, somebody. And and so I just want to declare in your heart, whatever it is, even if it seems insurmountable or you don't understand. I mean, there's things I don't understand. 
But one thing that I freaked the translators out that I did a lot, <laughs> I really did. I think I scared some of them. But uh, they were translating, and I, and I wanted to illustrate that we can lean on the Holy Spirit. I am ready. Please don't translate, though. And um, Thank you. So what I would do is I would go to lean, and they would be like, it's like you can't move, you have to be strong. So I would, I would lean all my weight. I said, this is the whole thing about communion and fellowship and partnering with the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to lean, and sometimes we have to grab on, and we have to hold on because he's the one who knows the way. Right? Thanks. Right? So it's... So that was like a hallmark of mine is this is a partnership. This has never been about, it's never about, and it will never be about doing it by ourselves. That's why God, you know, and I went through the whole redemption thing of why he wants, he he redeemed us. Jesus came into the whole thing and tied it all in with the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled life. It was an awesome, awesome thing. So that was in Uganda. Jordan, Pastor Brent pretty much summed that up. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of God things in Jordan. Um, so much going on. Um, a lot of prophetic encouragement uh, that looked very different that we were able to do. And just one note on the en route to the Syrian refugee's house. We were in the car, and we have this 11-year-old kid on a bike in front of us leading us through these streets. I'm like, you know what this feels like? This feels like I'm in a Darren Wilson Holy Spirit film, the Finger of God film, and you can feel the excitement building up. You're like, oh, my gosh, what's next? What's next? And I'm like, and I have it on film. So that was, that was a plus for me. And then you, then you have favor, and you get into these homes, and people want the real thing. They want the real thing. And so they were starting to feel the real thing. I mean, Brent and I looked at each other like, oh, Holy Spirit came up in here a while ago, you know. And so, you know, I'm praying and I'm trying to film this thing. I'm like, Holy Spirit, do your thing. Go where man cannot go and do what you want to do. So it was awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's see here. Oh, there we go. I'm all tied up there. Anyway, some of you get that when you get home. Uh, I, I kept on telling Brent, the, the, I think there's a verse in the Bible that says you're supposed to bring your ties into the storehouse, but he, we didn't really sort of figure that one out. But anyway, anyway, continuing on point. And uh, is this good? This was um, at Pastor Dale's church. And this was an interesting day because uh, Pastor Brent is at Pastor Peter's church preaching his heart out in three services. Glad I didn't have to do three. And I was at Pastor Dale's doing two. And uh, one thing before that I want to share is we went out in the middle of nowhere, literally to Pastor Joseph's church. It took us, what, three hours or so to get there. And we kept driving and driving and driving. And we finally arrived, thank God. And, and we, we got to this place, and uh, there, I don't know what, 60, 75 pastors, something like that, uh, came in big building. And so Brent got up to share, and I got up to share. And then I naturally just flow into the prophetic. And so I see this kid. He's the last person standing there. 
And as clear as nothing, I said, and you are another one. You're going to preach and your name will be known not only in this region, but throughout the nation and the nations of the earth. And I begin to call the treasures out in this, in this boy. He must have been what? 10, 11, something like that. And I don't know who he is. He's a kid. I'm like, okay, this is good. And so I just call the treasures out, call the treasures out. And then I go and I sit down, you know, because we're about to go have lunch and I'm hungry. And um, yeah, and so Pastor Joseph, the pastor of the church, gets up there. And there's something happening, transpiring within him. What I did not know is that was his boy. And he's been praying for years that God would call him out and put him in ministry because of the call of God that he felt was on his kid's life. Right? I just, please, just right here. They loved this guy. I mean, he won't tell you this part, so I have to say it really quick. They loved, loved, loved this guy. I mean, God was putting a spotlight on Joel. And uh, and so the pastor, he he looks over at us and he says to Joel, he, oh, you were going to say this anyway, huh? But he yeah. says, he says, you've got to come back because you've got to do a prophetic conference. We need you to come back. And all of a sudden he remembered who we were. And he says, oh, 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 uh, Pastor Brent, you have to come back and bring him. And uh, so... I'm just saying if I was an insecure guy, that could have been a problem, but they love Joel. They, they loved you too, okay? Aww. Um, now, this, was, this is my second time back to Uganda. Um, and, I mean, I'll be transparent. I don't like the heat. I do not like heat. And so I really, I told Brent, it's like, it has to be the call. I mean, because I'm not a heat person. But anyway, um, the prof- there's a hunger for the prophetic. I was observing. And the old paradigm says only the prophet of God can speak, and that's it. Nobody else, no nothing. And so even when I did some of these breakout sessions uh, where we were doing it at the Hope Connect, um, people are actually starting to get it. Not just in me speaking it, but the comprehension, the understanding, where Peter uh, tells us that we can all prophesy. You know, and I, and I, I made a distinction between that and the, and the office of it and the gift of it, but people are understanding me, me. I can prophesy. And so seeing people step out even for the first time, when I look into your eyes, I see... Beautiful, beautiful example of an illustration or exercise that we did. And people begin to call out the treasures. See, sometimes, I think, not all of us, but sometimes we can take for granted or be preoccupied of what we have here. But the nations of the earth, oh, that's this good word right here. The nations of the earth are, are crying out for something. The nations of the earth are groaning. And they're not doing it just to do it. There's a greater purpose with a greater destiny, with a greater fervor and a greater passion than ever before. And they're not going to stop until they encounter the real person. Not the real thing, but the real person. Because it's this relational thing with the Holy Spirit. It has to be. Just like it's in you and just like it's in me. The things that we have, we, ha- we must do it in partnership. 
we mu- that's a good word, and I'll say it again. We must do it. In, I mean, I was, I was sort of, I think they didn't want to put the mic down on that, that Thursday night that I preached. I mean, we, we could have gone for hours. It, it must be a partnership. Somebody. It must be a partnership, okay? Because he's willing, and he will always be willing to go to those places where we think it's too scary to go. He, he, he will always do that. He will take his time with us. He will take his time with you. He will lovingly guide us through those areas because he's already been there. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He knows the beginning. He knows the end. He's already, he's the greatest tour guide there is. I'm finding that out. Somebody right there, okay? Holy Spirit knows where to go. And he knows where the flow and he knows the speed and he knows when to, it's okay, you can lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be the friend. I'll help you carry on. You know, so I'm just saying. So yeah, that, that, that's a good word. That should be a worship song, Todd. You sort of make that into sort of. Anyway. All right. This is, tell your neighbor this is getting good. Oh. All right. Tired of looking at myself. Come on. All right. This is a video. This was the worship, and uh, it was really good stuff. Um, but what was nice about the worship was they had a ton of people up on the stage, but four of them had microphones. And they broke out in English, and I asked the pastor, I'm like, do you guys normally do that, or is that for me? They're like, oh, no, we, no, we sing in English. I'm like, okay, I'm just checking. And um, I'm going to go ahead and try to see if I can do this. Slide one more time. So as a musician, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's perfect pitch harmony. It's perfect pitch. And then the prophetic started to rise. So when I got the mic, I said, Pastor, you might not get this microphone back. Because we we have to prophesy for the treasures that's there. Just like we do in this house, we can do it in any house in the world. We can do it with anybody. We can do it with any... Because these, I mean, they're just abandoned into worship. Even if it might be an older song or English, it doesn't matter. Because the Holy Spirit is the same here, that he is the same over in Jordan, that he's the same over in Uganda. There's no junior version. There's no different version. There's no different color version. He's the same. Right? Oh, that's good. And, And so, anyway, right here, there we go. There's the four that had the microphone up to their mouth. And I saw some treasure there, and so I called them out. They were reluctant to stand. I'm like, if you don't stand, I will call you, I'll call you by name. And so they stood, and, and I began collectively to call out the treasure, that there was a new song that was going to rise up, 
not only in the spirit sense, but that God was going to allow and create platforms within their nation and that their voices would be heard across the nations of the world, that God was going to do something above and beyond all they could even ask or think. And so there was something there. There was something in that moment. There was, there was a heaven-on-earth moment that transpired that took place and where the Spirit of the Lord was connecting and saying, yes, th- this is something in you that it's time to come forward. It's time to take a forefront position in what I'm about to do in your life, right? So the prophetic was very strong that day, just like the prophetic is strong here. And I just want to release and declare over you right now that even the things, you know, I was been drawn to Psalm 1, 121 lately, and the word talks about, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Somebody, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So that's a guaranteed promise. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. I said, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold. So anytime it says behold, something good's about to happen. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is. Everybody say the Lord is. The Lord is is your keeper. Yes, he is. He's your shade at your right hand. Come on. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will. The Lord shall say the Lord will. Preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. So I want to declare some things intentionally that even though the prophetic, for me, I felt that this went to a whole new level and people were actually getting it. They were actually stepping into the flow, into the current, into the river, if you will, what God has had for them all along, right? Just as he's doing with us. It might look different. And it might sound different, and it might taste different, but God knows your flavor. Say, God knows my flavor. He knows what you like. Come on. Because we're all his favorite, right? Just, I declare that God's about to serve up your favorite dish, okay? Favorite flavors are coming. Jesus, whatever that looks like, I ask you that you would um, allow that to go deep, allow that to penetrate, However, whenever, wherever, God, I declare it in your ear and I declare it in your heart that this is going to happen. I even declare the dreams. I go after the dreams. I even declare and go after the hearts that are tired of just living life from day to day and living in the routine and the monotony of life and say, Jesus, you need to do something fresh. Holy Spirit, I need something different because I don't know what I'm going to go crazy. But the Holy Spirit wants to declare in your ear and he wants to declare in your heart tonight that he is the refreshing. He is the new oil. He is the person. So Jesus, right now, I declare that. I declare that right now. I declare it. And even as this boy, he was just standing there minding his own business, wearing an oversized suit, jacket, coat. And he was another one. I said, even you. I said, do you? And I just started to call these treasures out that he will have a sure word in his mouth and that he will preach to the nations of the world. So I bent down, didn't know a camera was in my face. I said, do you want that? And a tear rolled down his eye, his cheek. He says, I want that. 
And so I begin to declare over him that was going to happen. Right? I'll make it quick. I'll make it quick. That's Pastor Dale in the middle, in the, in, the, in the background, just taking it all in, just basking in the presence, right? And people were very, are so hungry. They're so receptive. And the awesome thing about it, it's not about me. It's not because I'm white. It's about because the person of who I represent and the person who I carry and the power and the love that is for them. I mean, people are hungry for the real presence of the Lord. This was one of the singers. Now, mind you, two services. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I want to go see this guy. I want to hear what happened to, you know, to him. And this girl comes up to me. There's two people in the church, an associate pastor and a leader, but they're far away from me. And this girl approaches me. And she's like, oh, when you were, when you were praying and prophesying earlier, I felt something. I'm like, oh. I'm like, okay, that's, okay, that's good. And so I said, well, what you felt, was that good or bad? And I couldn't even get the word bad out of my mouth before she started to go down dead weight. So I had to lunge physically after her to grab her so she wouldn't hit the concrete floor. Okay? So she goes down. She's on the floor. And then I start to know what we're dealing with. And she rolls over on the floor, and she begins to wail and scream, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Right? And... Then the leaders see, and so we get her up, and uh, I said, what's going on? Talk to me. Tell me what's happening. She says, I've, I've done bad things, and I said, okay, and, and so I begin to lead her, pull out the treasures, speak the truth to her, and I could not wait to tell Brent, Pastor Brent, when I saw him, I said, for the first time in a very real way, I felt the father heart compassion flow out of me into that girl. I, I felt it. I mean, I can talk about it, but I felt like the father heart, it's, I only can imagine probably how you feel, that father heart, I felt it for this, for this kid, 20 years of age, and I begin to speak the truth of who she is, who she is created to be, and she, she finally was stood up, and I said, she was feeling some stuff, she says, I feel something trying to go out of my feet. And we notice a lot of people that happen go out of their feet. And I said, you are free. And down she goes. Right? I didn't even touch her. Just goes down. So I have to go because now I'm late. Right? And so I'm in the vehicle with Pastor Dale. And we get a phone call. And he says, and it's the girl. She's like, Pastor, I can't move. I can't move at all. I, I, I can't move. I don't have no strength. And he encourages her heart, let the Lord go deep in you and continue the work which he has started. Because I had just preached on allowing the Holy Spirit into those areas where he's been longing to go. So, I, And I told her, I said, you're actually doing pretty good. You're already starting the journey. You're already starting the process. You know. And so that was a very powerful encounter. And then wrapping it up... Uh, Pastor Dale had asked me to teach a timeline for the prophetic. And what did that look like in the church history, early church history to the present day? And um, this is probably one of the pinnacles of the trip for me. I can't explain it, and I told Pastor Ren, I said, I can't put it into words, but I'll try. 
Out of all the countries I've been to in the world, out of all the times I've got up and preached, out of all the times I got up and shared, I've never felt anything as powerful as what happened to me. I got up to preach the first night at this Hope Connects conference in a tie. Help me, Jesus. And um, actually, I took the tie off. I said, Pastor Fred, I can't do this. I, it's too hot. So I took the tie off. There was grace for that. See, grace, it fits. And, um, and I... And I The only way I can describe it is I physically felt the physical person of the Holy Spirit step into my body, take complete control, and I preach from that place. I don't know how else to describe it. It was an encounter. We're talking about encounters, right? It was an encounter that I've never encountered before. But I think I was setting myself up because I was preaching this whole thing up until that point. And so out of that point, I got done, and I'm like, what? in the world just happened. Whoa. I mean, I was like wrecked. I was whacked. I'm like, whoa, that was crazy, you know? And uh, he wants to go crazy on you. He, I mean, Holy Spirit wants to go to these places. So Jesus, I just ask right now that we would give you full access. Everybody say, I give you full access, Holy Spirit. I give you permission, Holy Spirit to go to those places that you've been longing to go to, to go to those areas that one, that you've been longing to heal up for a long, long time, to go back even in some generational line and take care of some things that haven't been taken care of. Holy Spirit, you are the best. You are the real person. You are as real as it gets. So I pray and I declare and I decree in this house, in your hearts, in my heart, that we will allow him. We will let him go with us, taking Jesus, revealing who Jesus is to those places and telling us this is the truth. This is who you are. This is who you've always been. This is who you are. This is who you're going to be. Those treasures, the reality, the truth of what it is coming Coming forth, coming forth, coming forth. So I declare fresh. I declare a fresh in filling right now. A fresh in filling. Because for many of us, we're, we're entering into a new season. I want you to declare on your lips that shift happens. Okay? And there's a lot of shifting going on. We might not understand the gears that the Holy Spirit is gearing us down into, but he's about to drop you down into third, and you're going to go very, very far. So, Holy Spirit, I declare right now that you are good. Father, you are a good, good Father. Jesus, you love us like crazy. And Holy Spirit, you are for us. You are the greatest cheerleader, if I can use that word. You are, you are so for us. And so we get to, everybody say, I get to, to do life with the Holy Spirit. So I just want to declare that right now. Right now, Holy Spirit, just, just go. Go, 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 go. Fresh right now. A fresh, fresh, fresh. A fresh. If you want to come up, if you need something in your life, if you need a touch, I don't care what it, it regards, I invite you to come up. We are going to agree with you that 
that Holy Spirit's going to go to those places right now. So if that's you, come right on up. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for you. There's no limit to you. You can do anything above all we can ask, we can think, we can fathom. So I call out the truth right now in each one of us, in each one of our situations right now of who we are. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, the person of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that this infilling is a lifestyle, not a one-time thing. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are going in the areas. You are journeying with us together. You are partnering with us together. Just as you do for people halfway around the world where we connect with, you're doing it at home. You're doing it here. You're doing it in our hearts. You're doing it in our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions. You're doing it in our spirit. So we thank you. Right where you're at, just begin. Just be, he, he's going to connect with you right where you're at. So we just say yes. We say more. We say more. We say more, Holy Spirit. More, 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 more. Increase. more Holy Spirit blow through this place bring your refreshing bring the restoration to our hearts bring the hope back Lord there's a lot of people who need big measures of hope restored into their hearts Holy Spirit, breathe it in. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. I'm asking for encounters. We are asking for encounters. We want encounters with you, Holy Spirit. We want to know you more than we've ever known you. We want to experience you. We want you to come and take over. Come and take over our hearts. And the dry places... In the dry places, Holy Spirit, bring the rain, bring the water. Come and saturate, 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 saturate any dry places. Yeah, that's good. Now, don't go anywhere. This whole thing about waiting on the Lord is real. And so often we get in our heads too much, you know. Oh, am I working hard enough? No, just relax. He's here. He's in you. Let him loose. Just let him have his way. Give him permission. Holy Spirit, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love your presence. We love your presence. We love who you are. So talk, just stay stay here for a minute. Just invite him in your own words. But we're going to come and just begin to release, just touch and release whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. More of him. 
So I invite uh, some of the elders, pastor elders and uh, prayer teams, if you want to just begin to start to touch. And all we're doing is agreeing with the Lord. He's the one doing it. We're just agreeing. His heart is for you. We're agreeing with your heart that's hungry for Him. And we're inviting Him. We're just giving Him permission. Yes, yes, yes. Come and have your way. Come and fill. Come and fill.